0: So I was going to move on to, to something else, but, but I really felt this week that God wanted me to, to finish uh, what I started. Right? And maybe that's something for some of us in here as well, that God wants us to finish what we've started. He doesn't want us to just start something new and go, I'm going to do this uh, and this is going to work out great. And then when something doesn't, doesn't happen or it doesn't look the way that we want it to, we go, oh, maybe that's not what I was meant to do. Maybe I'll just move on and, and I'll try something else. But maybe, maybe God wants to say to more people than, than just me that, that it's time that we, we, we started finishing what we started. We need to finish what we start. And so uh, we have been talking about over the last little while now the fruits of the Spirit. And we've gone through all of them but the last two. So today we're going to focus on the final two fruits of the Spirit. So the Scripture, just so it's in your minds again, if you've got your Bible or your phone or however it is, uh, you you want to read the Word. It's Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 to 26. And it's the scripture uh, describing to us and giving us uh, the fruits of the Spirit. So Galatians five twenty-two, twenty-six. 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, and that's that's what this scripture is trying to get at. These nine fruits of the Spirit that we've been talking about for the last couple of months are what God wants us to have and to live out in our lives. And these things are contrary or opposite to the natural human reaction to things, or the way that we want to feel, or the way that we want to think. Thanks, Dad. And each and every one of these fruits, as we've been talking about, because uh, I just, I just want to go over just so it's fresh in our minds, so you know where we are, so we can finish strong, that, that every single one of these fruits is a divine attribute or a divine characteristic of who our God really is. Our God is every single one of these things. He is not anything other than all of these things on this list. He is is love. He is love. He is joy. He is peace. He is long-suffering or patience. He is kindness. He is good. He is faithful. He is gentle. And He has absolute self-control. He is all of these things. And, 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 and as we know, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit who comes and lives within us. He actually comes and dwells within each of us as believers. So therefore, each and every one of us now have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in our hearts. We have the very nature of God. We have, the, we have God Himself who lives and dwells within us. So therefore, anything that God is or any of God's divine nature, nature or any of God's divine characteristics are now actually a part of us, right? And that's why the word talks about we need to learn to live according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. Because just before this... uh Paul tells us the things that are contrary to these things, all the negative things, all the negative reactions that, that we have to things, all the ways that, that God doesn't want us to live. And then, then he goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit. And he, What he's saying is that, that that as believers who have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us, we have all of these fruits in us. And th- the Holy Spirit is developing and wanting to develop these things within our lives so that when people encounter us, So that the way that we go about living our lives, we we are harvesting these fruits and we are a living expression of the divine characteristics or the nature of God. It's not that we can just continue being ourselves and doing everything that, that we were doing. God wants to change us and that's why he's given us the Holy Spirit to live and dwell in us so that his nature and his characteristics can be developed and expressed through our lives. They are his very nature. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Interesting that we're created to be like God. We're created to be like. So if God is love and joy and patience and all of these things, and we are created to be like God, then we are created to be filled with love and joy and peace and, and every single one of the fruits. It's the way that God intended for us to be. But sin and, and the corruption of the world has turned us and, and into all this, all the mess that, uh, that, that we live in and, and, and that we experience. But God's intention and His design, He created us to be like Him. And if we are to be imitators of Christ, then we will be examples of the fruits of the nature of God being shown through our life. Interesting, too, that scripture, Ephesians 4. It says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And again, that's our mindset and our focus. What are we thinking about? What are we focusing on? Are we focusing on living out the fruits of the spirits? Are we focusing on the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness? Or are we focusing on the negatives? Are we focusing on the things that we think we've lost or the, the trouble that we think we're in? What is the attitude of our minds? Do we desire even to live according to the Spirit? Or are we happy to live according to the things of the flesh? Because sometimes the things of the the flesh are nice and sometimes the things of the flesh feel comfortable and, and they're what we know and they're what we're used to. So we don't actually want to get rid of the things of the flesh. We, we say, God, I want to honor you and I want to live for you, but I don't actually want to let you touch this area of my life. I, I want to keep doing this and, and I want to keep surrounding myself with the things that are comfortable. But God's saying uh, he wants us, he created us to be like him. And so He wants every single one of these fruits to be outworked in our lives. And I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, that there's a misunderstanding that uh, that people have concerning the fruits. Some people think that uh, that maybe they just have one or two of these things, and that's the ones that they're strong in, and maybe that's the one that, that they're focused on. Maybe you think you're patient and kind, but uh, maybe you're not necessarily full of joy or, or loving. But but every single one of these is a the nature and the character of God, and He lives and dwells with us. Each and every one of us have the Ability to develop every single one of these things in our life. It's not one or two. We have every single one of these being developed and grown within us because of the Holy Spirit, but we need to make the choice in our life about whether we live according to the ways of the flesh or the ways of the Spirit. And these things are the ways of the Spirit. So we've already established, according to Scripture, that the ways of the flesh or the natural human ways are opposite to the ways of God. Human nature is opposite to God's nature, and so each of us in this place, to say, have accepted Jesus and fully believe in Him. We have these fruits developing and growing in us right now. So, this week, we're looking at the final two fruits on the list: gentleness. And self-control, and perhaps we should have done self-control last week before Christmas because it's a time where a lot of us just let go and self-control just goes out the window. And I'm not even kidding, uh, all I ate for like two to three days over Christmas was this, uh, uh, it's going to sound weird, this marinated goat cheese feta thing. It's absolutely delicious. And the, Zoe's mum had this massive jar and it, super expensive stuff. I just devoured it. I just stood around it eating it. Uh, I, I ate it the day after as well. There was all the other food that you would eat at Christmas, but I'd rather just eat this goat cheese. And I had a couple of sausage rolls, and that was about it. And then Zoe and I got home, and we wanted more, so we went and bought a jar for ourselves. And I <laughs> realised that that's not necessarily good self-control. So we yesterday we said no. We were at the supermarket, and Zoe had it in her hand. And we were like, no. <laughs> No, we don't need it. We don't need it. But anyway, we'll get to that. So the first one is gentleness. The first three we're going to look at today is gentleness. So uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 to 30, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, this is something very important that we understand gentleness in the way that Jesus was gentle. Gentleness does not mean weakness and it does not mean backing down from the truth of what we believe. Gentleness does not mean that we can't be firm. Gentleness in the very nature of Jesus was something that changed lives. Jesus was never rough, abusive, or aggressive with people. Right? He never tried to force anybody to believe him or to believe in him. He behaved and spoke in a way that would cause people to be led to believe. right there, There's no scripture uh, that, that I've read where Jesus comes in and he's saying to to people or to a group of people you must believe in me because I am the king, I am your God I am the one, he wasn't aggressive and he wasn't forceful the nature of Jesus was gentle and he accepted people for the way that they were, he spoke truth and he never backed down from the truth of the gospel, he never changed his beliefs but the way that he went about encountering people was through his gentle nature, he never abused anyone he never said to, 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 to anyone you are an incredibly rotten disgusting sinner and I'm sick of you and I don't want to be near you and if you don't change your ways and if you don't do something different then you can forget about being in heaven he was he was gentle and he was kind with people right he was gentle in nature he was never aggressive or abusive and there was a reason that gentleness is so important. And there was a reason that Jesus was the way that he was and spoke to people the way that he was. And there's a reason why gentleness is one of the divine characters of God that he desires for us to develop and produce. And I believe that it's, it's found in that scripture that we just read. And I'm, I'm going to read it again. Matthew 11, 29 and 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? I am gentle and lowly in spirit. And then he says, you will find rest for your souls. So through the gentleness of the nature of Jesus, and the gentle way in which he encountered people and spoke to people, cause people to find rest for their souls. And really that's what God wants for us, to find rest for our souls. And it was his gentleness that led people in this way. It's like if somebody comes at you uh, and just starts picking on you and, and, and telling you every single thing that you've done wrong and telling you all your faults and how if you, you, you need to be different, you should be different, you're not doing this right, you're wrong, you're bad, you're just what whatever it is. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make you want to change. It doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't bring peace or rest to your soul or to your heart. But the way that Jesus went about being himself was in such a gentle way, and the way that he went about leading people to him was in such a gentle way that he caused people to find rest for their souls in him. Right? And, and, and I just think that that is that is so important, and something that we all need to understand. Whether we're dealing, excuse me, whether we're dealing with friends, whether we're dealing with family, whether we're dealing with someone we maybe necessarily don't get along with. Maybe even sometimes when we're dealing with ourselves, we need to learn to actually be gentle and not condemn ourselves, not condemn somebody else, not condemn somebody who's, who's not a believer and try and tell them and focus on all the things that they did wrong or, 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 or why they're sinners or why they need to change and why they need to do this. Jesus was nothing but gentle with people. And it was a, it's a part of the divine nature of God. And God himself is, is gentle. Has God ever forced you to do something? Has he ever forced you to do something? I would say no. Because that's not his nature. See, God being all-powerful and the creator of all things, the one who spoke the world into being and, 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 and all that stuff, he, he has the power at any moment to enforce whatever he wants. He could could have made us so that we did not have free will. He could have just forced us to be always bowing down before him and singing praises. And he he could have done that if he wanted to. But his gentleness and his love and his compassion and and all the, the nature of God came together in a way that he wanted us to get to a point where we make our own decision. And he never forces us to make any decisions. He wants to lead us into the things that he has for us. And he wants to lead us into the things that are good for us and the things that will bring life to us, but he goes about it in such a gentle way. He never forces us to do anything. right? And I, I just love that scripture. He says, I'm gentle and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for yourselves. Right? Have, you ever, have you ever had a, a tired soul? Right? Have you ever been so tired and and just worn out on the inside and it's like you know you can you can put on the face when you're at church you can You can put on the face you have to put on so that people don't actually know what's going on inside you because you know what, I shouldn't feel this way because I'm a Christian and and I I believe in God and so I shouldn't be feeling like this so I'm going to condemn myself and pretend that I have to be somebody that I'm not or pretend that I'm feeling something that I'm not but inside you're just tired and inside you're just broken and inside you're just worn out and inside you just wish that somebody would just be gentle with you and, and you feel like the people around you or, or maybe even yourself. A lot of the time it's ourselves. We just judge ourselves and we're putting ourselves down and, and we're condemning ourselves. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't feel like this. I need to just wake up. I need to just stop feeling like this. I need to just be different. I, I, I need to just change. Well, maybe we should just stop and just start being gentle with ourselves. And maybe we need to be a little bit more gentle with, with, with each other. Right? Because every single one of us at, at one point or another have had a tired soul. Right, and maybe that's what led us to God in the first place. Maybe you've been in God for, for 10, 20 years. Maybe five, I, I don't know, however long you've been in God. Maybe, maybe today, maybe today you, you have a tired soul. Maybe you're worn out. Maybe you feel broke, and Maybe you feel like just giving up and just chucking it all in. And enough is enough. I've had enough of this rubbish. Right? First thing I want to say is that God does not condemn you for feeling that way. In fact, that's why he came. And that's why he is so gentle and why Jesus was, was so gentle and why gentleness is, is so important. Because in, in gentleness and through gentleness, Jesus himself said, you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for soul. You know what? If that is you and you are worn out today and you are feeling broken and and you're just so tired on the inside, we're going to pray at the end that you will find rest for your soul. Right? Because it's hard to go into, it's hard to look forward to something new when we're just so tired on the inside. It's hard to look forward to a new year filled with new experiences when we're just tired on the inside. In fact, it's nearly impossible to look forward to something when you're tired on the inside. Right? And so we're going to pray today at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the service that we would find rest for ourselves. But I want to encourage you if you feel that way or you have been feeling that way, you're not condemned for it. Jesus, I'm going to read the scripture again. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I don't know whether you know, but when it's talking about yoke, it's obviously not talking about uh, an egg yoke like I thought when I first got saved and I just thought it was weird that people were cracking eggs over themselves. But when it's talking about yoke, it's talking about um, the, when when two oxen or two animals on, on farms in, in in the ancient times uh, when they were ploughing the ground or whatever, they would put what's called the yoke, and it's like um, if you ever seen the old school movies uh, where, where where like criminals get um, put in the center of town and they have like tomatoes and stuff thrown at their face in the old movies, and they're like they're, their heads are locked inside the thing basically what a yoke is but for animals and it would hold the, the two animals together side by side so that the two cows or bulls or whatever um, could only walk together in, 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 in the same direction. They couldn't take off in different directions. They couldn't go at, at different speeds but they would move at the same speed in the same direction so that the ground would be plowed evenly. Well that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying my yoke is easy and what, it, what that is essentially saying is, is that Jesus is. Is, is is yoking himself to us or he wants us to be yoked to him and so that that when we're moving in god when we're, when we're when we're following god we're not actually doing it by ourselves but we're doing it while we're connected to Jesus himself and he's not running ahead of us he's not lagging behind he's not letting us run off in whatever direction we want but if we're yoked to him that then we move and he moves at the pace that we're ready and willing to move it Because he can't run off if we're yoked to him. And he wants us to find rest for our souls. He wants us to go into 2020 with a soul that is happy and a soul that is filled with joy. And it's the gentleness of God that's going to bring that into us today. Because this is the way he wants us to be. I know that there are people here that are tired. I know that there are people here who have had enough and people who just want to give up. I know that there are people who aren't here today that should be, that are feeling this exact way. Who have just had enough and don't know how to understand or comprehend the things. That are going on in their lives But God is saying If you would just come to me And allow me to be gentle with you And allow me to take care of you Then you will find rest for your souls We don't need to wander around this life And continue to run and strive And try to do everything on our own Or in our own strength When Jesus says If you will just yoke yourself to me Then it will be easy For my yoke is easy And my burden is light He doesn't want to burden us He doesn't want you to feel burdened and broken He wants you to feel whole and he wants me to feel whole and he wants us to be filled with life and to be joyful and to have this joy in our spirit and say, you know what? I'm going to walk into 2020 full of hope. I'm going to walk into 2020 full of joy. I'm going to walk into 2020 filled with expectancy of the good things that God is going to do. Because if you walk into this next year with the same mindset that you have now, nothing is going to change. We need to shift our our mindset, shift our attitudes, yoke ourselves to Jesus and allow him to take care of our souls. He's going to take care of us. So you don't have to take care of your soul. And but so understanding, right, this gentleness on our behalf as well. We know what it feels like to be broken. We know what it feels like to need someone to be gentle. And so maybe we need to be a little bit more gentle with the people that we encounter next year. Maybe we need to not... Point so many fingers or, or or be so judgmental, right, but maybe we just need to learn this gentleness that Jesus showed to us so that people can find rest for their souls when they encounter us because there's people in this community who are broken and there's people in this community who are tired and there's people in this community who need something else, they need joy and they need comfort and they need somebody to just take them aside and just be gentle with them, they need somebody to just love on them, they need somebody who's not going to tell them everything that they've done wrong and not going to point out their faults and their flaws but someone that's just going to come alongside them, put their arm around them and say it's all right. you can rest here it's okay, you'll find rest here and allow people who are broken and allow people who have tired and weary souls to find rest the same way that we found rest in Jesus. All right. Ultimately, it's Jesus who will bring the relief that we need, right? And it's Jesus who will bring the relief to the people in the community, but we can show them what the gentleness of God is like and through that help lead people to the place where they find rest for their souls. It's not on us to bring rest to them, but to lead them to the place where they can find rest for their souls. Self-control. Really quick, because we're running out of time. Uh, I I genuinely think that that self-control is highly undervalued, and and our need for it, is incredibly underrated at times, right? Because we think at times that, that, that just because we don't want to do something wrong, then we won't do it. Right we think uh, I'm a Christian I, 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 I want to do everything right and I want to live my life the right way and my heart centered and I'm passionate and I love God and all this, so therefore I, i'm, I'm going to be fine i'm just I, i'm not going to do anything wrong because I don't want to right and sometimes because we think that way, uh, we believe that because we don't want to do wrong, we won't do wrong uh, and sometimes If if we're not willing to to change and if we're not willing to to understand that God wants us to to change and and to stop doing some of the things that we used to do. But sometimes we get in this mindset saying, well, just because I don't want to do something that's wrong because I'm a believer and I love God and he's good to me and I don't want to do anything wrong. And so we we just naturally then assume that everything that we're doing must be right because I don't want to do wrong. And therefore, if I'm doing this thing, it must be okay because inside I don't want to do something that's wrong and I don't want to go against The word, but that's God wants us to to learn and to understand self-control and to learn to say no when He wants us to say no. And if we're not careful, a lack of self control can lead us to a very dangerous place and can have us living in sin, yet we think ourselves okay because I'm a believer and and I want to do what is right, therefore I'm I'm doing what is right. And Romans 7 18 to 19 says, For I know that in me. That is, in my flesh nothing good dwells. This is Paul speaking. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil... I will not to do that I practice. Even Paul recognized in himself a need for self-control that is actually above and beyond the, the human ability to do that. Paul recognized that he needed Jesus and he needed the Holy Spirit. If he was going to uh, uh, live out self-control and if he was going to be a man who, who, who lived out the fruits of the Spirit, then he needed some outside help with that. He knew he couldn't do it on his own. He knew he needed the Holy Spirit. And Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken, through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. What is this saying? A person without self-control has no ability to defend themselves. A person who lacks self-control has no protection from the things of the enemy. Right? A city without walls, it's, anyone can just go in there and, and take what, anything they want. There's no defense, there's no protection, there's no safety net. And, right, and, and self-control is a safety net that stops us from getting ourselves into too much trouble. And Paul recognized his need for the Holy Spirit as his safety net, just as I believe we need to recognize so much our need and our desperate need for the Holy Spirit as our safety net. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And this is part of self-control as well. Scripture tells us, Paul is telling the the Corinthians, that when you're tempted by something, God is faithful to you and he provides you with a way out of that situation. He provides you with with a safe way out of that situation so that you don't get yourself in trouble. But the choice to take that safe way out takes self-control on our part, which is a fruit of the spirit. We need self-control. We need to learn what is right and wrong for each of us. What is good and bad for each of us, right? Because sometimes there's things that are bad for me that might actually be okay for you, and God doesn't mind if you do it for me. Uh, you know, years ago, God spoke to me so, so clearly. I was actually it was Christmas time, and I was driving down to uh, to my auntie's place down uh, in King Lake, and it was just me. Mum and Dad were were were. Uh, were already there and I was just praying and had music on and before this you know I was in church but I wasn't doing everything right and I I had mistakes and and I had flaws and I had faults and the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly I heard the voice of God say to me that day that I need to stop drinking he just said you need to stop drinking completely right and so that that's that's what I've done since then. Right, I have no problem whatsoever with anybody else enjoying a glass of wine or a beer or whatever it is that you like to drink for you it's okay, but for me, God told me that I needed to put in place self-control in that area because I had an issue and because I had a problem and I was leading not only myself but we were doing the whole youth group thing back then, I was leading not only myself but a whole bunch of young people into something that could potentially be destructive for them and so God told me to stop and so i 've had to practice self-control since then and right all my friends still enjoy a beer and so when when they're hanging out or whatever or when it's like someone's bucks weekend or whatever that they're drinking but because God told me not to do it I need to put in place self-control and there have been times where I wish that maybe I could just do it because sometimes it would be easier just to have one to shut people up so that they don't be at me the whole time for a whole weekend saying, why don't you just have one? Why don't you just have one? And why don't I just have one? Because God told me not to and he told me to put in place self-control in that area. Right? And so it's up to you to, to hear from God or to ask God and say, God, what area do you want me to put self-control in place in my life? What am I doing, God, that you don't actually want me to be doing? Right, We need to learn and understand self-control. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be able to do this. We need Him. The way out requires self-control. The scriptural example for this is Luke 4. Jesus will be, was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Satan was offering Jesus the easy way out. He offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world. Satan offered Jesus and said, I will give to you all the kingdoms of the world, Jesus. If you'll bow down before me. right? The easy way out. It would have been so much easier than going through everything Jesus... I mean, this was at the beginning of his ministry. This is just after the Holy Spirit has come on Jesus. And he's led straight into the wilderness, the Bible tells us. And he's, he's fasting for, for 40 days. So this is at the end of, uh, of, uh, of 40 days. And Satan comes to him when he's weak. And when he's tired. And when he's worn out. And offers him the easy way out. But self-control gave Jesus another way. Just as it gives us another way. I mean, think about the need for self-control at this point. He just fasted for 40 days. Tired, hungry, worn out. Self-control is the power to hold on to the truth of what we believe and what we know. Even when we're tired, hungry, desperate, want our current situation to end. Self-control will allow us to continue to walk according to the truth and not give in to temptation or the easy way out. Right? These two fruits, along with the other seven that we've been through over the last couple of months, are what God wants us to live out so that the people around us see these things in our life So that they see that there's actually something worthwhile about the whole God thing. Because if they see us still living the same way, in the same mindset, doing the same things that we were always doing before, and fighting the same battles, they're going to say, well, why do you even bother when nothing in your life has changed? It's when we begin to live out the fruits of the Spirit and there is change in us and there is change in our lives and we walk through something with, with our heads held high that the people look at you and say, how did you get through that and come out the other end smiling and it's then you can say, well, it was my God who brought me through. And see, that's the difference between us and somebody who doesn't know God as we have a God who walks us through the situations, who walks us through the valleys, who gives us strength, who gives us a way out so that we can come out. The other end in even better better shape than we were when we went in the beginning, and these are the fruits of the spirit that need to be evident in our life: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And as we live these things out, people will see the difference. They will see that they have a desperate need for God, just as you and I have a desperate. Need for God, we need the We need the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives every single day, and we are able to because the Holy Spirit lives in us. All right, look, let's just pray, Father God.